Hi, everybody, and welcome back to our Ornate Stairwells. It's a movie podcast. I'm Neve, and I'm joined, not as always, by M. I'm Autumn. Uh, and in case you're new here... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Autumn. I guess if you're new here, I'm not Autumn. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, let me say, this is not Autumn. This is M. Yeah. Um, I also don't normally host this, so I just feel extra awkward. These, it would be weird if I hosted times. it, though. <laughs> it would be. It'd be weird if you came in to guest and then did the, there was a part where I wanted to just like the first recording, throw it to you to like start the podcast. I would do that. Don't, but, don't, don't okay. tell me, you know, I would do that because I love to host a podcast. It's the easiest job in the world, but I, it'd be rude. I feel like. Yeah. Um, I just specifically asked, uh, Autumn for what is it that you say? And they mm. like sent me a voice recording of it online. Um, and then uh, I I transcribed it. So anyway, if you're new here, uh, normally M's not here, but you're filling in for for this month. Yeah. Um. Everyone, please go support uh, Export Audio. Uh, yeah. Exportaud.io. Uh, they can use bucks. it. At least five yeah. bucks. If you do five bucks, I'll just say this here. Uh, I think the because we're both guesting on Coffee and Comic Books, yes. another one of Autumn's podcasts. And I think mine is the one that's going to be $5 exclusive. 
Yeah, sure. Um, which is uh, Rick and I read uh, Golden Pollen and Other Stories by uh, Hayasha Seichi, mm-hmm. which is also going to be kind of related to the, the movie that we're talking about uh, in our like main segment. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is Throw Away Your Books, Rally in the Streets. Yeah. Um, he uh, did the art direction for the, the movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what I've like seen in descriptions of his role. And then I think he also like appears somewhere, but I, I'm not entirely positive because I don't know exactly what he looks like. Okay. So, and like when you get to that, the end of the movie, this is like sort of spoiling our main segment, but like the credits is you just see the, everybody's faces. It just goes past them all. Yeah. So, um, I couldn't like look for his name in that either. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're not going to talk about the movie right now. No, I, the it, first segment, segment one, we talk about other movies we watched. That's true. I was going to say I was on Coffee Comic Books. If you just want to talk about Coffee Comic Books a second, I read, I came to read Electro Assassin, the Frank Miller uh, comic, um, which has nothing to do with Japanese film other than Frank Miller's a big old weeb. That yeah, one that be, makes sense. I think that one will be free. Uh, that was a good discussion because uh, I don't think that comic's very good, but in like normal ways, because Frank Miller is a guy that I like, even though he's very annoying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't read too many comics, but I think I've read like maybe one Frank Miller. Let me look at this. Have you Have read, I read the any Dark Knight Returns? No. Have you read Sin City? Uh, I think like the first one. Okay, well, there you go. There's Frank Miller. Yeah. Have you read Batman Year One? No. Oh, Batman Year One's really that one's like better than it has any right to be. Frank Miller. Uh, that's that's the height. That's the best you get. Batman Year One's really good. Yeah, I don't think I've read much Batman. Um, I've seen a fair amount of Batman stuff. I just never read it. Hmm. And I have never read any Superman. Again, I've seen like Superman movies and stuff, but I I know I've never read anything Superman. Well, um, it happens. I'm not saying go out yeah. and get into superhero comics. Don't do that. It's, it's not worth it. <laughs> um. Oh, did you do some X Men stuff? It looks like not too much. Wolverine, uh, I guess. Sure. Oh, right. He's the one who probably introduced all the ninja shit in Wolverine. Yeah. Man loves oh, yeah. loves Japan in the eighties. Um. In the 80s. He was way into Japan in the 80s. He's classic. One of those kind of guys. Yeah. I never got deep into uh, like X-Men stuff. Mm-hmm. But of all of those sorts of comics, X-Men's like the one that I have read any of. Oh, yeah. I, I don't fuck with Marvel typically. So. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Yes. Seg- segment one. We're going to talk about other movies we've seen. Sure. The first one here is a movie that you saw. Spring Breakers. Sure. Yeah. So I rewatched Spring Breakers because I want I it's summer. It's the depths of summer and I'm summer moded and I wanted to enjoy a movie that evokes summer. And I had this one. I bought it on Blu-ray when it came out on Blu-ray because I saw it in the theater and I was like, oh, I'm going to get this. This is early Blu-ray for me, I feel like. Um, and then never opened it. I was opening it for the first time to watch it in 2023. Um Spring Breakers, if you don't know, is a film by Harmony Korine about four uh, college-age girls who uh, leave their small, shitty college. Uh, they they rob, like, an all-night 
diner to get the money to go to spring break because they want to break out of their monotony and live their lives. And at spring break, they run afoul of uh, Alien, who's played by James Franco, who's like a would-be rapper who just like, his persona is that he's the rapper. He's the local rapper that all the spring break kids think is really cool. But he, the way he makes money is by robbing the spring breakers. Uh, like he knows where they all live and they, you know, they, they're not, they don't know what they're doing. They never away from home. So he just goes in with his gang and like holds them hostage and takes their money. And then they go home because it's spring break. Um, and he never gets in trouble for it. And uh, they get wrapped up into his very petty crime bullshit. Um, and uh, Spring Breakers itself is more about this idea. It's weird. Like, I feel like a lot of, especially at the time, because I was in film Twitter, I was writing about movies when Spring Breakers hit. Um, I feel like at the time there was a lot of discussion about how Spring Breakers is about, like, transformative look at, at materialism and the American dream. And I guess it is, but I think it's more about how you can eat, pray, love your way through fucking anything. If you're, if you just have the disposition for it, um, it's like, it's like a, it's like a gift that is given to people to process bad things happening to you for no reason. Cause life is like that. Sometimes life just random and shitty and you can turn it into a big manifesto for like, this was the summer that defined my life. Anytime you want, you can do that to anything uh, yeah. because it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. It's all random and it's fine. Um, and I think Spring Breakers like deeply interested in the nihilism inherent in being young and feeling invincible and running afoul of the fact that like sometimes everything just feels really thin and you can everything can fall apart in a second. And you don't you don't really think about it because if you did think about it, no one would be able to function. Um, and I think that part of it is like really good. Um, I think the whole movie is pretty good. It's like it's like deliberately trashy. Right. It's like, um, yeah. It's like it opens on this incredible dubstep montage of college kids at spring break, just like shaking their asses and pouring beer on each other and shit like that. Like it, it's crass on purpose. Um, it's very like this is 10 years after Girls Gone Wild, but right. But it's like for some people, the dream never ended, even though they stopped peddling the DVDs because that guy went to prison. <laughs> um, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, and I think that stuff all really lands with like a, a sadness that like. And not in like a not in like a condescending way where it's like, oh, look at the look at like the cheapness that the, the youths are into just in a this is all there is sometimes. And it's fine. <laughs> um, like it, it really loves the idea that like behind spring break or Florida is like a, like beaches and, and neon lights and sun drenched afternoons is just like a place people live like the first time they like alien bails them out of prison after they get caught like drinking or whatever at a party and he just takes them to a park in like the starkest daylight and he's sitting on the park bench with like his fucking socks pulled up to his knees because he's a dweeb and it's just no he's just like yeah i live here it's like this is just his, this is just his home um and he's just a guy and even Places like Florida or like Vegas are just full of people who live there and they, they are not bought into the romance of the place. I think the whole movie is about like understanding that the romance is kind of self. You generate the romance. There's no romance to anything. Um, and I think that stuff yeah. is really good. Have you um, seen this? So I was about to say, uh, I think I've seen this movie, but I'm not sure. And then you started describing it and you said 
alien. And I looked it up that that's just the name of the, the character. But for yeah. a brief second, I was like, wait, is the plot of this that they meet an alien? No, no, no. Uh, I've not seen this. And then once I remembered, oh, that's the name of the guy. Yeah. I was like, I think I've seen this. I think I have. Okay. I, I'm not positive, but I've at least seen parts of it, I think. Okay. Um, I don't know if this is one that ever got like shown on TV. But yeah, I have no idea. I saw, like I said, I saw this in the theater and it came out because yeah. I was way into movies uh, at the time. Um, this is when I was seeing everything. <laughs> this is literally the year before I just like spin out entirely and stopped seeing movies for several <laughs> years. Um, but I was seeing everything. And um, yeah, I was surprised to see that it still hold up. There's not a fucking stairwell to speak of. It's Florida. So yeah. <laughs> F. <laughs> F, F for F for that. Um, but if you've never seen this, uh, I think it's really good. I think it still okay. holds a lot of value. Um, and it's it's actually it's mostly like really funny. If, if you are just fine with it being kind of like. In your face about it, right? Um, yeah. And, and like, I know Harmony Crin's like other works are much more like. Actually, like more outsidery art, like much more harder to take. This is his like big mainstream film. I feel like, um, so it's not as bad as all that. But yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm still not positive that I've seen this because it was, it was in that period like, uh, after I burned out. Okay. Um. Because I burned out when I went to grad school. And that would have been, uh, what, 2012 would be when, when I graduated. And this was like right after. Mm. I still think I saw it at some point, but not in theaters. I know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, the movie that I watched is Zardoz. Fuck yes. I love <laughs> Zardoz. Um, which I, I like heard of basically, but I'd never seen before. Um, so my, I, yeah, I don't want to interrupt you. I guess I'll just let you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just excited well, was, to talk about Sardos. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, there was, I, I don't even remember. I think we were like debating what to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Autumn and I were hanging out. Uh, and then they just pulled up criterion and like opened up the AI yeah. collection. Uh, and just saw that it was there, didn't even know that Zardos was on Criterion and just played it being like, oh yeah, this is like a fun movie. Uh, and that then realized that I had never seen it before. So, um, it was, so one, there are parts of this that like made me think of the prisoner. Um, I think part of that is just like a certain, you know, production style. I think, Uh, I think John Borman definitely is like a director who, probably loves the prisoner <laughs> yeah and like the whole uh the what what is it called the vortex mm-hmm. that uh zed sean connery's character goes to yeah um has this vibe of like what if the village like survived a, a apocalyptic event that like threw the rest of the world in the chaos and then just like progressed to such an extent that's like kind of the same but just like fashion's gotten weirder and people have like developed more weird cultish stuff. Yes. Um, and the, the weird like uh, balloon monster uh, they use for all sorts of technology now. 
There's yes. there's little balloon things that people are stored in. That's like Ziploc bags for humans. Uh, there's like weird balloon stuff in the the village. It it just extremely has that vibe. So yeah. um, yeah, and the I really enjoyed it as like a. We just don't make sci-fi like we used to. I'm sure that people still like write books like this, or like maybe you can find some more underground film stuff. Um, but I just feel like nothing at like this scale anymore uh, is going to have this kind of weird like that stuff. is just going to be bizarre. Is going to like start with someone proclaiming the uh, the gun is good and the penis is evil. Yes. <laughs> um, and it is going to be like. Uh, at once so plainly like allegorical about something that the person writing it wants to talk about, but also so like bizarre and layers upon layers that like it's hard to parse sometimes. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, everything now has like gone through the Star Warsification of sci-fi, um, and also the Star Trek. Those are like the two main things. Um, where I feel like there's just people want. I, I feel like the dominant mode does not have the space for this like weird uh, mythic allegorical lens. Everything like falls into this, like really attempting to capture some sort of reality. Yeah. Uh, and you just don't get stuff that's like weird and crunchy and kind of messy like this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, the, the reveal oh. of Zardoz where, where Zardoz comes from is so funny too. <laughs> Uh, so I know, like, Zardoz has, like, a cultural cachet as, like, the weird movie with the flying head that says the penis is evil yeah. and barfs guns or whatever. Um, my thing with Zardoz when I watched it is I think it has, like, truly one of the most beautiful endings that you could ever have in a movie. Yeah. Um, to the point where <laughs> the it's, like, a shorthand with me and Destiny. is just, like, this is, this is like... This is this is the poetics of life. It's just, like, the, the, the ending shot of them in the cave is perfect. Yeah, uh, and every time I think about it, I get like misty eyed. It's like really like moving to me as a thing, and that's like that is the heart of seventy sci fi to me. It's like a bunch of weird ideas and some crystal bullshit, and some of it's like really poignant, and some of it's really stupid. But like, yeah, it'll cut right to your heart. <laughs> yeah, and there are moments at which like what's happening feels poignant, but also you have to laugh because there's just a bunch of people in the background like waving their arms. Yes, yes, <laughs> <whatever>. absolutely. <laughs> Like sometimes within the same moment, you're having both reactions. Yes. Of being like, this is stupid. And also like something happening here is weirdly moving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. This is the movie Borman made after his Lord of the Rings uh, attempt failed. Um, yeah. And then a couple years later, he uses all the Lord of the Rings ideas in Excalibur, which is another uh, incredible moving and goofy ass movie, <laughs> which yeah. I love a lot. Um. I might try to watch Excalibur soon. I I think I've seen it before, but a really long time ago. Oh, so it's uh it's um, a hoot. It is uh yeah. I think it's like deliberately funnier than Zardoz. Um but it, it still has some of the magic, but in the sheen of the eighties, um it's it's very different. There's no you know, weird crystal hippie shit in uh, Excalibur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the that's one thing that I'm uh, interested in with, like, after watching this, watching Excalibur is uh, just like with the the source material, I feel like there's going to be a certain amount of like, they'll be reining in in some ways, but I think also like the ability to just be extra in other ways. So yes. that's what I'm excited for. Yeah. Um. 
you're not gonna have like Sean Connery with uh, absolute territory boots. But... No, no, he's not. He's not gonna barbarell <laughs> his way through the landscape. He will not. Yeah. Um. There, there's some like wild gender stuff happening here too with the the like brutals, uh, especially the exterminators, uh, and then just like everybody in the vortex being like wearing effeminate clothing but also yes. the exterminators kind of but in another way that like em- emphasizes their muscles and stuff mm-hmm. um weird gender stuff around the penis <laughs> yes uh extremely 70s sci-fi in a lot of those ways mm-hmm. um I'm just looking at pictures of sean connery as zed right now <laughs> that ponytail is so much yeah it's a lot um yeah i enjoyed it a lot uh in terms of stairs um there are like some decent looking stairs sometimes in the background and there's a like i think the most the one that gets like highlighted is like the significant memory that he was holding back from them uh starts with him or like involves him running up a bunch of stairs Mm -hmm. but that the stairs in that one aren't like the best looking um so I'll give it like a, a like B minus maybe. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. I'm gonna be honest. I always forget to look for the stairs. I have to like recall when we do this. Oh right, I need to do my job and think about the stairs. Mm-hmm. It is this weird thing that like one I just do it now, um, but it also does like I feel like invite my brain to just think about the image more than I, you sometimes will fall into just like following the plot of something. So, mm-hmm. um, are, are there any stairs in max headroom 20 minutes in the field? I feel like no, but maybe, um, there's like, there's like a stairwell, I think like, just like a big, like, you know, tower block yeah. style stairwell, but, um, Mostly no. So my other movie is Max Headroom 20 Minutes in the Future, which is a TV movie from 1985 made for Channel 4, uh, directed by Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jankel. As we were looking this up, they are the directors of the Super Mario Brothers film, the uh, Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo classic, classic of film. Um, and I, you know what? It makes total sense to me because the, the, the disposition wise, in terms of like a, a story, they're very similar, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. So Max Headroom's about um, a world in which um, the corporations, the TV companies are trying to create a new type of advertisement called blipverts, which is, because people keep changing the channel when they show ads, they want to like compress the data stream of the ads and like brain blast the people with like the whole couple minutes of ads like jammed into their brain instantly. Um, and the thing that they've discovered is unfortunately the blipverts cause like the elderly and infirm to explode. They just swell up and explode because they're like the data stream excites the water in their bodies. So if you're like too overweight or whatever, it makes you blow up. Um, and they're going to try to hide this like, Oh, it's just the old and elderly and like fat people. We don't give a shit. Um, and, uh, and Matt for the main, the, the actor plays, uh, Edison Carter, who's a television reporter. He's like, I'm going to uncover the corruption. Um, and because he's up against an eighties corporation, he gets totally fucking RoboCop murdered, um, by them. Um, and in doing so, uh, and also like when he's going out and investigating, he has like a runner, like a, like full on cyberpunk. Like there's a British lady in his, in his ear guiding him through these areas and like hacking into stuff for him because he's on the ground and she's like, like the matrix, right? Everyone's seen the matrix. It's very easy to understand. Uh, yeah. For this. Um, anyway, um, when he gets killed, he like, 
he's like running away from these guys who are trying to actually kill him. And the evil hacker like launches him off of a ramp when he's like on a motorcycle and he crashes into the arm of a parking garage where it says max headroom, like 20 feet or whatever. And that, and so he takes uh, intense cranial damage. Everyone thinks he's dead, uh, but he's not, he recovers. Uh, but in doing so, the evil hacker has his body and uploads him to his like pet AI project where he's trying to make an AI and that personality wakes up remembering the 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 sign Max Headroom. And that's what uh, he calls himself. Uh, and it's also Matt Frewer with like this horrible makeup slash CG job. It's really I feel like they use both. I think the shows that come later do that do slightly differently. I've not seen the Max Headroom show. This is like first time for me. Um, and uh so he he wakes up and keeps investigating the the syndicates whatever and max hedrin becomes a famous television presenter on the pirate radio like television network because he's a guy who just does quips he's just like snark he's just like a snark machine and people eat this up because it's 1985 in dystopian britain and people have never heard an actual funny person before um (laughs) And so they love it. And the ratings are the roof. They're like, oh, they're going to ruin it. And then Matt Furrow is like, I'm going to reveal the Blipferts. And so they're double ruined. And this is all a prelude to the television show, Max Headroom, the British television show. Um, the Max Headroom show, I think, is the British one, um, which I think is just the CG one, the CG, like Max Headroom commenting on music videos and stuff, just doing quips as they play music. I think that's what the British show yeah. is. And then they make an American show. Um which is more about like the actual plot of the cyberpunk investigation stuff. Do you also know about the signal jacking? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the other big max headroom thing. Yeah. Uh, the two Chicago uh, stations were, were signal jacked uh, by someone wearing a max head for those who don't know. Yeah. If, oh, uh, if you're listening to this, you've got a bead on the British max headroom. Uh, hit me up. <laughs> Please. I don't know. I don't know where to get it. I can find torrents of like the American TV series, but I would like to watch the British one first, I think. Um, so, you know, help me out if you've got the uh, means. Yeah. I'm more interested in the in the British one. I just couldn't seem to find it. It's probably on like archive and I just never think to look at archive, even though it has everything now. I just am old and forget yeah. that that's like a fantastic resource for shit. Um but uh, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I was, um, it is, it is very charming. Um, it does not have, like I watched uh, Johnny Mnemonic a little while ago, the black and white version, which is also in Criterion. If you have Criterion uh, this month, watch Johnny Mnemonic black and white. Cause the only other way to get a hold of it, I think it's on torn sites now, but for a while it was not, was to buy the Blu-ray, which is what I did. And that's fucking yeah. incredible. Um, <laughs> Johnny Mnemonic has so much swag. Max Headroom has no swag. It's, it feels cheap. <laughs> And it feels kind of corny and there's a deep charm to that um, that I quite enjoyed, even though most of it is like very gauzy handheld television cameras running down barely set dressed apartment hallways uh, as like, oh, this is our tension. These two guys are chasing Matt Frewer around, um, which is just goofy to me. That's all. Yeah. I'm currently looking up to see what Max Headroom I can find. Okay. Um, on on uh, archive, there's like a fair amount, but it there's it seems like you'd have to sift through some of this stuff. Okay, yeah, maybe someone just knows exactly. Here's the thing to download. It's all yeah. of it. You can hit me up. I'd appreciate that. Um, 
It's also hard because it'll be like Max Headroom complete series, and I'm like, but which one? Yeah, but which one? <laughs> um. Anyway, if it's called Max Headroom, that's the American one. Yeah, this looks like it's the American one because yeah. it's uh, the like length of the episodes are all like 47 minutes too. Damn. Which. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um, I guess I, one other thing I just want to mention, um, and this is just like, I don't have a good answer for this. I tried to watch computer chess cause it was on the that same criterion, uh, AI collection. And I got like 30 yeah. minutes in. And I was just like, I'm going to stop for today. I clearly am like about to look at my phone more than I'm watching the movie. Um, it's like a fake mockumentary almost about like it's set it's set it's like a movie from like 2013 or something i don't actually remember Tom. i'm not gonna look it up um but it's it's meant to be like a documentary being filmed in the 80s of like the burge me probably earlier than the 80s about the burgeoning uh chess ais finally catching up to actual players and there's like a competition where they're pitting all the computer chess ais against each other in a tournament and everyone's a weirdo a weirdo nerd and they're all like competing and backstabbing and being goofy um and I got like 30 minutes. I'm like, I'm just like astonishingly bored. And I'll get, I'll get to the back to this tomorrow. That was a week and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just want to mention, um, I feel like I've just gotten better and I feel happier about it. Letting movies go. If I'm not feeling it, I don't feel any compulsion to go back and watch computer chess. I'm sure people love it. You can tell me it's good. I believe you. I just wasn't in it, in the mood for it. And I'm not in the mood for it now. And I'm not going to do it. I, I just, I didn't used to be this person. I used to be like, no, I'm going to sit down and fucking finish this. Even if it took yeah. me multiple days. I'm like, I have to, I can't abandon the sunk cost of a half hour of my time watching the, movie, <laughs> the first third of this movie. <laughs> All that's left is an hour. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can do anything for an hour and that's true, but why should I? Yeah. Uh, I don't know how you feel about this because I used to, like I said, never abandon movies like this. Um, I'm I think I'm more inclined to speed up the movie if I'm thinking about abandoning it first, mm. um, which I normally don't do with movies. But there are times where uh, there's definitely been movies, though, that I, I would abandon. Mm -hmm. um, famously really wanted to abandon uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, you know what? I don't blame you on that one because that's not yeah. a very good movie. And it's hard. I think it's hard to watch. Yeah, it was in theaters uh, with friends and they wanted to stay. And so I willed myself asleep. <laughs> uh, the only time I've ever walked out of a movie, um, I probably told the story with Chris screenings. I walked out of Pulp Fiction. I'd seen it several times. It literally we, we watched the first part with uh, Vincent Vega and Mia and everything. The part that's cool of that movie. And we got to the 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 butch uh, stuff with the fucking watch and shit. And we just we're like, we're going to go get a, we're going to go smoke outside and then go get our, our like after movie breakfast early because uh, it was like a midnight showing. So we always went to this diner across the street and got breakfast yeah. and stayed up till like five in the morning and uh, just bounced. It's literally the only other time because like I've seen the movie a bunch of times. And um, while I like the um, Samuel Jackson part in the last third, um, it's on genuinely not worth sitting through Bruce Willis to get to. I feel like um, we saw the part we wanted to see. We left. It was great. Yeah. Um, other movies that I've walked out of, uh, and these were back with, uh, there's a family friend named uh, David Sly, who we go to movies with all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and he was all about uh, like 
Despite the fact that he had money, my, my parents thought this was a bad influence, but sometimes we would go and we'd pay to see a movie and then we'd sm- sneak into another theater. Um, and occasionally, if we didn't like the movie we went to, we would just do that. Uh, and so both Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead, we decided were boring and left and went to something else. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, I feel like I was, I was early on the, uh, Edgar Wright thing. i I feel like people have gone back and reappraised those movies and don't like them as much now. Uh, I, I think, I like, think you were yeah. speaking for like. The people we know and not people at large. Yeah. I'm just saying. Um, yeah. I just I just pieced out of those ones. So. Okay. Uh, did you do a, a ranking for the stairs in Max Headroom? Um, I don't remember there being any of note other than, like I said, some like apartment building stairs. I'd give that like a D minus. Yeah. Our stairs, not important. Yeah, F is there's no stairs. Yeah, as long as there's stairs, you're you're getting something above an F. You you turned in the homework. <laughs> Maybe you didn't do much, but you turned it in. Um. Well, should we get to the main movie? Sure. So our main movie was "Throw Away Your Books, Rally in the Streets" by Terry Yamashuji. Um. M, can you summarize what happens in this movie? Fuck no. Oh my God. How dare you? <laughs> I texted uh, Jackson this morning being like, it's going to be so funny uh, turning this around on M. Does you always want to have Jackson summarize the hard to summarize movies? I mean, Jackson's job is to summarize the movie, period. I, yeah. Um. God. Uh, <laughs> so as far as i can tell the main story is about a girl whose mother tries to kill a rabbit or does kill her hires a guy to kill a rabbit and then she's has a very bad time yeah and then her brother yes uh, the other subplot is her brother who's like the first person that he you see yes um in the I'll movie be honest, don't care about him as much yeah there is like this this weird so <clears throat> I read in, and this is me knowing Terry Amashuji has like a, a an interest in homosexuality in a way where you're like, I wonder if something was going on with that guy. Um, but he seems to have this like fixation on this mentor character um, mm-hmm. whose name is eluding me now. Uh, it's like a very short name. That's all I remember. Sure. Um, and... Uh, that mentor character is like, oh, we're going to, like, make you a real man and hires, like, a sex worker for him to sleep with. Yes. Uh, and he, like, runs out ha- yes. partway through. um, And is kind of just, like, f- awkward and, like, wanting to be around the the soccer players, basically. The football players. um, When, especially with, like, the shower and stuff. He wants to be the ball boy. Yeah. um, And then is like kind of maybe trying to like reach out to his sister, but is very bad at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like a little bit with like the other people in the family, but um, I would say the kids are the focus. Yeah. Um, I guess I'd say like overarching plot of this film is specifically, at least to me, and we'll talk about it. Cause 
I don't really know what to make of this movie. Like, I understand what it's doing, but I like it falls out of my brain. Like as I'm holding on to it, um, I, had a, I had a difficult time with this one. Uh, and I know it's yeah. one of your favorites. So I'm just going to kind of let you like, I, so the I, space. I like pastoral more than this. Uh-huh. Um, and we'll, we can get into why later, um, but, um, but it's mostly, so my reading of this movie is that it's a lot of the student protests have kind of happened and they didn't really yeah. amount to anything. And the people who were too young to be, uh, to be around for them or were too old to participate in them at the time are left holding the bag on a world that is rapidly spinning out of control and understanding because the economy is picking up and nothing makes sense. And it seems like the train left without them and everyone's yeah. kind of mad and disaffected about it, but they don't have any guidepost to lead them out of that. So they mostly just feel angry, but the anger is often deeply internalized because they're all young and poor and uh not ready to like burst out into violence yeah that's the movie to me (laughs) um i think also the i think that that's like i agree with that part Mm -hmm. uh and then i just have like the additional layers which one the thing that we didn't mention is the movie starts with a black screen with like sounds happening yeah um and then it like appears where against the black backdrop there's uh you know ostensibly the main character um whose name uh is also the name of the actor is this true of like a a few of the characters yes um i don't think all of them but a, a few of them um and he's one of them um and he basically is doing this thing of like what are you doing sitting in a dark theater like the movie can't begin and you know uh like there's this whole like sort of metatextual thing that happens at the beginning. Yes. Um, and is playing up like when he's describing details of his life and also details that will happen later in the movie are the same or like similar to the actor's own life. But then there's obviously stuff in the movie that's deviating. Um, and there's also this like specific imploring to the audience in that moment to like in some way, uh, take part in the film or question the film or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then sort of when it gets to this point where you might have some sort of like climax or resolution or something like everybody's disaffected and what's going to happen with it. It just sort of cuts to, well, now the movie's ending. Um, and, you know, again, going to this metatextual thing and saying like, we were only a family for 28 days, uh, you know, 28 days. He was my father. 28 oh, yeah. days and it was also talking about like you know when it started this was an actor but then i called him dad and then after we would cut i i wouldn't like necessarily be calling him dad but at a certain point i kind of thought of him as dad anyway because we were doing this for 28 days um those sorts of things and so a lot of it is trying to like the the title of this is like you know you have to like do some sort of direct action yes um and it, it has no, like, specific – there's hints at, like, a political thing that you're supposed to be doing. But I think, like, the biggest thing is just identifying this, like, the student protest happened. They never really, like comb- – they never – you know, it starts in that uh, initial monologue with him saying, like, uh, my name is – my name is – my name is – and he never, like, gives his name uh, mm-hmm. as he's, like, repeating that. I think it's supposed to be going towards like this, the student protest movement never actually got like a name or like a, 
like a, a movement never developed out of it. Mm-hmm. There, it didn't have anything that continued on. It yeah. was sort of this flash in the pan. Um, and so there's been this like loss of identity, especially within leftist stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing that gets emphasized is like, um, Marx comes up twice. Like, uh, <laughs> have you read like Das Kapital by Marx? Um, there's like one where like uh, there's a woman saying, oh, the, the you know, my favorite book is the Bible or whatever. And then asks about it. And she's just like, huh? Um, and so I think some of it, too, is like there needs to be some sort of like actual political grounding. But then the title's also pointing to you like, but it's not about reading Marx. It's about like actually doing the, the leftist work in the streets Mm -hmm. that's like what you really need it's less important that you read the book and it's more important that you like go out and do the things so yes i uh i don't think it'll surprise you to know that the the meta textual framing is my favorite part of the movie bar Mm -hmm. none it is it is also my favorite part I think um, I think those last that last fifteen minutes where he's like they say everyone have fifteen minutes of fame and I was like uh, a fame and I was checking I was like yep there's fifteen minutes of the movies left is uh, <laughs> yeah. breathtaking it's beautiful I love it so much yeah yeah um, it's also uh, like I had us watch this I've watched I've never seen this in a theater I also think watching this movie in a theater would be incredible mm. especially if there's a part where he says all right bring up the lights and if like the the theater staff turned on the lights so it's like even hard to see the screen that'd be fantastic um there's definitely a way in which like and terry amashuji does this in both his plays as well as then he tries to bring it to to like the screen like to cinema having this like breaking down of that fourth wall and having stuff sort of come in or out of the the movie Mm -hmm. um and so i think all that stuff is in here and it's the stuff that i enjoy the most um but as I said, I, I like Pastoral more. And one, I think he like he gets better at some of that metatextual stuff where it becomes more of the core to like what the movie is. Mm. Even as the movie is also dealing with these things of like uh the breakdown of the family and like the delusion uh disillusionment of like modern life and stuff. Um all that stuff is like becoming more directly tied, whereas here this film sometimes feels like you're watching a series of like theater plays that he did mm-hmm. that are all kind of intercut back and forth with then like this framing device. Um, and so it feels less cohesive to me. I think I still enjoy it a lot. Um, and I think like, I think most of his films were uh, influential <clears throat> and like when we did Chrono Cross, we were joking about there's the part that like is sort of breaking the, the fourth wall a little bit and being like, here's kid in Tokyo. And we talked about how like end of Evangelion does a similar thing. And it's like, all of this stuff is coming out of like Terry Amashuji and like this film and some of his other films. So, uh, there, there's definitely been some other fourth wall breaking stuff in Japanese cinema, but he in particular is like known for developing this. Um, and a large number of like, I feel like tons of anime directors talk about Terry Amashuji in some way. So that's fair. I always think of like the like French movies of like the thirties who do this, like very much like the mm-hmm. director's like, I'm going to present to you the film right now. Here's the cast characters that had a great time filming them with them um, as like the legacy of this, which is probably true just because, you know, yeah. film was an international medium. <laughs> they were probably but, seeing those movies. Yeah. Terry Yamashuji is definitely, I think is like specifically cited elements of those movies as well mm-hmm. as uh, 
like experimental theater that started in the thirties. I forget. There's one play that's like from the thirties that he talks about, like where like theater and cinema would never be the same. Yeah. Um, I don't remember which one it was, but yeah, he was definitely like deep into that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and I always get the vibe with like Terry Amashuji stuff that not quite to the extent of like velvet underground, but he's sort of like a velvet underground figure of like, not a lot of people watched him, but most of the people who watched like his movies or his plays like went on to make something. (laughs) Um, but how did you enjoy the music? It was fine. So I went to letterbox after this. I was like, I want to see what people are saying about this. And everyone was like, this has one of the greatest soundtracks I've ever heard. And I was like, what? Really? What? It's fine. <laughs> I enjoyed um, it. It was yeah, good, but I wouldn't say it was number, like exceptional. A number of tracks here are by J.A. Caesar, who did the, uh, like Utana specifically. Um, why am I forgetting his name? The director. Um, I don't know why I'm for. Oh, uh, of, of Utena Ikuhara. Yeah, yeah Ikuhara. Um, he like in particular loves Terry Amashuji. Uh, he references like this movie a little bit in Utena, okay. but I think the biggest thing is uh, he got J.A. Caesar to collaborate with him. Um, and I feel like Utena is like the closest, like the soundtrack is cl- the closest to this movie of any of the, the Terry Amashuji J.A. Mm-hmm. Caesar movies. I've that seen. makes sense. Um, there's like parts where it's just like, you know, a group of people chanting like over and over again, some word. And it's like, yeah, this would become <laughs> the Utena soundtrack. I see it. Um, but, uh, and then also Utena like very, very often references pastoral. Um, mm. and I like pastoral more be again, as I said, I think it like has more of a, a blending and I think it's also more focused. It's like far more focused on, um, like a stand in for the director being played by someone and then his relationship to his mother and then like the difficulty around that and the breakdown around that. Um, and so in, in having like a tighter focus, I think is able to, to like explore that more interestingly and do more weird poetic things. Whereas this is like very essayistic and theatrical. That's um, fair. Um, I will say this discount, everything we've been talking about, <laughs> just throw it out the window. I was yeah. watching this movie and I had maybe the most, this is the difference between you and me opinion. And maybe it's me projecting and reading too much into <laughs> my relationship with you. Um, yeah. But I was like, Neve loves this because Neve was a punk kid. Um, yeah. Who had a lot of like, <laughs> it, like who internalized a lot of shit. And I'm watching this movie going, you know, what's really good and way better than this movie. Red desert, which is about <laughs> the, the ennui of like, internalizing angst but in a in truly a radically different direction than this film but textually like the way it hit me emotionally those movies these movies feel like paired to me where one is like i don't know how to express my anger i don't know what to do with these feelings of like frustration and like aimlessness and the other one is the crushing sadness and fear of i could express my anger but it wouldn't accomplish anything because the whole world is meaningless (laughs) And I think that's where like I live. And I think this is where you live. <laughs> um, I will say uh, I would recommend watching pastoral. I think that there's, there's going to be parts that are still going to be like, uh, weird, but I think it's a more fun movie mm-hmm. than throw away your books at points. Um, mm-hmm. the whole like circus stuff is like, 
There's a uh, circus woman who uh, gets off on having strong men like inflate her giant bodysuit. Sure. Um, stuff like that that just like has a different weird and sometimes like more joyous tone to it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I just think like the the stuff that it does to break through the fourth wall and like the way that everything comes together, comes together better. And I, it's also the one that like, like this movie I enjoy a lot Mm -hmm. because of, um, more of the like intellectual level of it where Mm -hmm. I'm like, ah, yeah, this is about like, you know, still maybe connecting to the punk side of me of like, I was this punk kid who was actually reading Marx and nobody else in the, my punk circles were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there was just a lot of this misplaced anger. And I was like, we should be like directing this towards some sort of collective action. But like nobody was really listening to that. And I feel like yes. that's the energy of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I spent, um, I spent these years in like a real <clears throat> self-directed like gravity well of existential angst that i still like live in i just direct it different ways (laughs) but but my like deep angst and like uh you know trauma stuff is going to be in pastoral it's not in this okay yeah um that's the one that's going to be more deeply like like i get to the end of pastoral and i feel deeply emotional in the way that i get to the end of this one i was like yeah that movie this movie's cool i like Mm -hmm. this movie (laughs) um uh one of the, my favorite my outside of the framing device which I think is really good my favorite bit in this movie is just a really small throwaway joke um there's a guy reading a book at like I guess they're at dinner or whatever and she's like what are you reading <laughs> he answers I'm reading a book about how reading books could have a profound effect on people's lives <laughs> yeah <laughs> which man if that's not like I feel skewered I feel like this is this is a, a, a lance thrown through time at many people, like probably both yeah. of us included. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's so good. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, you are not supposed to be that guy who thinks that reading books is the answer. <laughs> no, but we've all we've yeah. all been that guy on some level, right? Yeah, uh, we all re- reflect on ourselves and see that in our hearts, and maybe maybe sometimes we still dip our toes in and we definitely remember when we were that uh, wholesale um the other scene i really like uh and it's not it's not nearly as like coherent a like single point is um brother and sister go to the american the western restaurant to have dinner um and she's never been to a western style restaurant so he's explaining how to use the knife and fork and she's like i'm gonna get it wrong she's just like if she could, if she could swallow her own body to become smaller, she would do it in this moment. She's like yeah. the most terrified of being like standing out. Anyone's ever been. And he's like a doofus who just doesn't understand. Um, uh, she's also had like really, really bad things happen to her. So she's in a place. Yeah. Um, but um, specifically, uh, she's like, I'm not going to get it right. It looks hard. And he's like, it's not that hard, but like, just get it right. And we'll, the next, like, try your best. Next time you'll be even better. And she's like, I don't think I'm ever going to come back to this place. It's like expensive. And it's a Western restaurant. Whatever. Come. It's like, well, I think I'm going to take you here to your, for your birthday. And it's like twofold. It's like the idea that she just doesn't see a future where this happens to her again. And he, yeah. he like sees it as writ is like such a perfect microcosm of like two people who are having a conversation and not communicating at all. They just don't understand. Mm. Um, But also specifically his presumption that like, I'm going to take you to this restaurant that I'm sure you're going to love, even though you were clearly about to bolt. 
uh, for your birthday as a gift to you because you're going to love it. You're going to want to come back um, is just so like steamrolling her emotional space because he, again, is an idiot. Um, it's beautiful. It's just like a perfect microcosm of like a failed relationship. Yeah. Um, one little moment that I just always think is funny, um, is mostly cause it's like this slight relief of tension. Uh, there is the part where the grandma hires, um, the guy or like, I don't think like hires, I don't think like money's being exchanged, but like basically gets a guy to kill the rabbit. Yes. Um, and, uh, there's the scene where he like kills the rabbit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then immediately the grandma's like, <gasps> like, you know, I didn't do it. It was him. He did yes. it. <laughs> yes. And then the guy, the like guy who just did it at her BS is just like, what's that? Like what? runs off. Like, yeah. <laughs> what's going on? What? <laughs> um, yeah, it's specifically, it's specifically, she wants to get rid of the rabbit because she's so obsessed with the rabbit that it's going to make her not interested in boys. She wants her to like get womanly and get interested in boys and get married and have kids. And if she's, yeah. if she cares about this rabbit, she's not going to do any of those things. Uh, to which I was like, this movie is just like already they see on the horizon the fucking, you know, I hate to bring it to you, Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, nothing's going to help that declining birth rate. <laughs> yeah. Um, because there's this isn't a world where, and this I think this is true like uh, like in our society like you know um, you have a kid right and mm-hmm. uh, there's a responsibility to that but like I think it's very it's very easy to fall into a place where like even if I wanted a kid why would I ever have one now I don't I don't have the means no one's giving me the means I have no support system yeah um and that's been true for a lot of people for a very long time there's n- there's no there's no environment that would allow this to flourish as like an idea. And so it's very normal for people to grow up and go, that sounds nice, but I'm, that's not for me as like a natural inclination. Um, yeah. It's very hard under modern late capitalism to want to build and hold a family that has kids as part of it. Yeah. And I think the movie's like very obvious, like clear about the fact that like the world they come in, it, it, they're being born into as adults is not a world that is conducive to the thriving of humanity, period. Yeah. I mean, the, like, reaction that she has to it as well is, like, ostensibly, yeah, I'm gonna, like, go seek out some guys, but it's just the the most awful. And I'm it goes way worse for her, too, than I think yes. she's aware of. Um, but, like, even the beginning of it, like, what she does is not what that grandma wants. That yeah. grandma wants her to, like, uh, date a nice boy, uh bring him home, eventually get married and have some kids. Yes. That's not even like in the same way that that conversation about the, the like American dinner, uh, what the grandma is thinking of as like the outcome is like in no way, what is a possible. Um, and so the only other, the like closest outcome is just the worst thing. Mm hmm. So, um, Yeah. Uh, but truly the, the beginning and the end is the best parts of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always, a lo- I've seen this movie like four times now, I think. Um, mm-hmm. and every time that it just like slams into the end of the movie, I'm always like a little surprised that it happens suddenly. <laughs> uh, it, it always feels like there's supposed to be a little bit extra before that happens, but 
Oh, the other funny thing, I was watching this on Plex, because uh, I downloaded it from Rare Film M, if anyone wants to find it, uh, rarefilmm.com. Um, and uh, Plex did its little thing where it, like, identifies, I don't know how people do this or whatever, but, like, what the credits are. And so it goes to that, like, last 15 minutes, and then it pops up the thing being, like, skip credits. And I'm like, it's true that what we've entered is the credits of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's true but you can't skip this part no <laughs> or the only way the way that i think like teriyama would be happy if you skipped it is if you're watching it in a movie theater and they said the lights come up and you just got up and left i, I think he would be okay with that outcome but <laughs> yeah um hitting skip skip credits to skip over that part on plex is is not not the vibe <laughs> no um Yeah, in terms of stairs, there there aren't too many. Uh, I don't remember any, but I like I said, I have a heart. I don't yeah. remember to look for this. There, there are some stairs in the background in the the scene where the guy. It's like the uh, how to abuse drugs for youth or whatever. Oh, the like little instructional part where they're like smoking pot on, like basically at the base of some stairs, um, and then. Oh, there's the scene going up the stairs. You don't, like, get a good shot of the stairs. But when he's going uh, into, like, the brothel area. um, And, you know, first goes past the, like, uh, there's, like, a trans woman who's in the front. um, And then is, like, going up the stairs. And there's, like, the person who tells his fortune and says that he's going to die soon. Mm -hmm. um, That's, like, on the stairs. And then, like, goes up to the various rooms and looks in and finds the one. Um. But I, those are the main stairs that I remember. There's not a, there's not a ton. Um, I feel like maybe like C minus. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on the movie. No, it's weird because like I was very like uh, I don't know about this one, but I've greatly enjoyed discussing it with you. So that was I was like I think we'll have a good time, and we did. So that's what matters. Yeah. So Part- I was like, because I was talking to Jackson with this, I was like, because Jackson was like, what, "What did you not like the movie?" I was like, "I don't know if I didn't like the movie. I just feel very lost in my feelings on it." I had I had the thing where I was like, "I wish I could see this and then like wait six months, a year, watch it again, and then do the podcast." I think I'd have different things to say about it. Um, but also yeah. sometimes that's just the reality of doing a, a show where you're, we, we have every two weeks we sit down and do criticism and it doesn't yeah. matter if I want to do that. I can't, I got to do the thing, but also there's a ton Jackson. Sometimes the coming into this, not knowing how I feel, did, I don't, I don't know. Did I like this that well? Uh, um, there's things I like, there's things I didn't. Um, and then discussing it and finding our way is, is the that's that's the fun. That's why I like doing this. If, yeah, I don't want to come. If I was coming out here reading my essay of what I liked and didn't like about the movie every week, I could just do that on Letterbox and get way more like instant feedback of people's likes. And I don't. Yeah. I don't do that. I don't like doing that. I'm not going to do that. Um, it was it was knowing that I could talk to you and be like, I I just don't fucking know, and I don't know if it's because of who I am and how I grew up. It's because the times. Is it because I watched Funeral for a Parade of Roses two weeks ago and it does some of the same stuff, but in a movie that's like about other things also that I like more just as like a taste. Yeah. Thing. Um, and I don't, I don't have an answer for that, but like I was, I, I read this movie three stars. I was talking to you. I was like, Oh, this is, this is a four star movie. What am I talking about in the course of watching it or discussing it, which is like the fun of doing a podcast sometimes. 
Yeah. Um. There, when I when I like think about pastoral, I think like this movie is not a five star movie. But then when mm. I think about this movie in comparison to like stuff that I rate like four stars, I'm like, no, this is still a five star movie to me. Um, but it's also the thing of like, uh, I think like in my ranking, if we were doing the like bracket thing, mm. uh, pastoral, I think would be funeral parade of roses, but that would be a tough one. Uh-huh. Um, but like funeral parade of roses would beat this, this movie. Uh, I do, I do just enjoy it more. I think mm. this movie's like, has some weirder, crunchier stuff. It's like appealing to a thing. Another thing I really enjoy about this is, um, you know, I talk sometimes about like, I really like reading the works of Bazen because he's so committed to trying to like identify what realism in cinema is. And I think that the entire endeavor is like, wrong Mm. um and seeing him work through it like helps me feel helps me like better understand my feelings about cinema that like all of cinema is a farce um and what i like about this and i what i like about terry masuji films is that i think he thinks that like theater is unreal cinema is unreal like these things are like fake or um you know, there's like a lack of reality there, but then he also like invites you to think about the ways that, uh, aspects of reality are also like that. Mm -hmm. Um, like I think one of the things in this movie is that, um, like the whole thing with like a family for 28 days, but also like it starts with the family registry that would like exist in reality. And a lot of these are like actual, like the actors have the same name as the character, uh, and I think there's a certain amount of inviting too of like how much are like the blood ties that we take as like uh core and important to like social organization also kind of like fake and made up in the same way that just like like to what extent does going through life involve playing roles like you're an actor on a stage mm-hmm. um and I think that's also inherent in this, and that's a thing I like about it but um but that's also all over uh. Funeral Parade of Roses, um, but is also specifically dealing with like what it means to be trans and you know role and performance there. So, um, yeah. Hmm. Anyway, I think I'm done. <laughs> okay. Uh, this time we'll actually see what we're what we're doing next time. I had to have a robot voice say it last time. Oh yeah. Um. So next time we've decided we're going to watch Basic in- Basic Instinct by yeah. Paul Verhoeven. I've never seen it. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised by this because I just I think of this as just like a classic of erotic thrillers that lots of people have seen. Um, I mean, partially it's just like I think of this like I, you know, I think of this movie by like the, the iconic scene that everyone references. that was a joke when I was a child and then I wasn't really into movies until my late teens. And by then no one cared. Um and like yeah. I've seen some Verhoeven, I know Verhoeven's good, but I've just never done like a my homework on. I'm gonna go back and wrap up all the Verhoeven I've never seen. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think the fact that it is Paul Verhoeven has like helped it persist. Um, beyond that and that like initial period, just because like it sort of gets brought along with like all the other Paul Verhoeven like action stuff. So. 
um, that I think people there's like a different push for people to keep watching those and then people will go and watch his other works. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's also a lot of erotic thrillers that I like, but it's by some director you've never heard of because it's an erotic thriller. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and those just get lost to time. That's where I'm searching on weird corners of the internet, finding something that I've never seen before. Um, and occasionally finding things that I don't think are good movies, but I'm deeply fond of like Lake Consequence, a movie that I do think you should watch. Okay. Um, so that's, I'm, I'm having a hell of a time remembering names tonight, but, um, my work, work has been very busy. Um, what's his name then? Billy Zane. The Um, whole movie is about how hot Billy Zane is. All of life is about how hot Billy Zane is. And it's like, uh, shortly after Twin Peaks, but it's like when he started to go bald and he's like started shaving his head, but not like to the, the full shaved down. It's like more buzzed. Um, okay. He's very hot in it. So have you ever seen Orlando? Uh, I think so. Yeah. The, uh, the uh, total Swinton movie. There's a bit there where she, <laughs> Billy Zane um, in that movie becomes her like young lover. Like as she settles, like tries to settle down or whatever. Um, and uh him her it's complicated orlando's a messy movie it's it, yeah. but whatever um billy zane shows up and he's literally rides out of the mist on a horse with like flowing long black hair and he's just like a perfect like bodice ripper romance novel guy and it, it, i just burst out laughing it was so fucking funny and perfect i love billy zane um just a treasure. I hope he's doing well. <laughs> I haven't seen him anything in a long time. I'm sure he's on like TV or some shit. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, the other the other thing that I truly enjoy about Lake Consequence um, is as it goes on, it begins to feel like because sometimes erotic thrills will take this moralistic thing at the end around like the consequences to the nuclear family or whatever. Yes. Um, and it, it ends with the the woman who's gone off and had this affair with uh billy zane as well as billy zane's girlfriend um who i forget who plays her it's like a not as notable of an uh actor um but uh and then there's like this whole thing going back and like billy zane's all freaked out about it and stuff um and when she just gets back home she just like lies perfect you know perfect lies puts the kid to bed and it's just like she gets away with it it's fantastic <laughs> so it, i feel like it's so rare in erotic thrillers and for that to like not be painted as like a femme fatale or like a a like moral moral failure she's just like able to do that it's mm. great um it feels like this like true encapsulation of this uh desire of like a woman watching a erotic thriller wanting something from it <laughs> so um yeah otherwise i think we're done here where can people find you uh you can find me on twitter at em underscore being you can find me on coast at em dash being and find me on blue sky at em being uh you can find my podcast on rollmapping.com uh what have we got coming up uh well if you subscribe to our patreon patreon.com slash mapping, we're gonna have uh blockbusters on quiz show which will already be out uh please look forward to that um we've finished ms igloo 
for Gundam. Um, that's been good fun. I have to I'm watch, still catching up. I have but... to watch the first Gundam movie uh, on Saturday. So I'm looking forward. I'm actually not because I remember that movie being piss boring. Um, the other two are better. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> I think when first... this episode comes out, the like second uh, episode yeah. will come out. Yeah. Soon, the second movie one. Which has yeah. a great song and a couple changes. And the third movie is just a fucking banger. Uh, the third Mobile Suit Gundam movie is just all killer, no filler. It also has the most new animation. That's the reason why it's good. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, look forward to that, I guess. And uh, look forward to our upcoming episode on Final Fantasy 16 from Normal Mapping, where we're going to have guest Austin Walker on. I'm going to tell you, every time... Austin sends me a message about 16. I think he would have been happier watching see destiny. <laughs> uh, it's still, I feel like I've had multiple uh, ships in the night with Austin Walker. Um, uh-huh. Just like being in similar game spaces at times. Uh, but the, the see destiny one is still the funniest one. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think he chose poorly on this one. I think yeah. I think cramming twenty uh, like what was it twenty two episodes of Gundam Seed Destiny in a week would have been preferable to him to playing through Final Fantasy sixteen. <laughs> That's the vibe I'm getting. That's what I'm yeah. picking out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, in cramming, especially if you're watching the dub uh for see destiny, it's it's real easy to do other things like with your hands or whatever. Um. You I was know. normally posting about how bad Sea Destiny was while I was doing that exact thing. Yeah, you can post, uh, you can take up knitting, um, you can build Gunpla and think about better Gundam. <laughs> uh, lots of things you can do. Yeah. Um, that's it. I was on, pardon my franchise, on this network uh, about the second D&D movie, Wrath of the Dragon God, which was pretty decent. Um, yeah. So... Check that. Out. I think that's all the export shows I'm going to be on other than the next stairwells. So, yeah. And you already talked about coffee and comic books. Yep. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, this is coming out on like the 1st of August. So, or no, Wait, this, this one episode? isn't. Next was, one isn't. It's it's like, is. Damn. Next one's August. It's the 13th. Um, We're recording this on the evening of the 13th. Yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, this one is not. I'll have to figure it out. I forget exactly when this is coming out. Um, maybe it's not in two weeks. Anyway, is it my turn? Yeah. Okay. You can find me at Fox Momnia on, uh, basically anything that I'm on, uh, Twitter, co-host, blue sky, um, letterboxd. If you want to follow me on letterboxd, uh, Annie list. If you want to see what anime I'm watching all those, if I, if I'm on a social media site, that's the name I use. I haven't updated my Annie list in probably a year and a half at this point <laughs> um i mostly just use it as like a tracking thing for myself yeah i know that's what i did too and then i i just uh didn't i just stopped yeah um i like it because it does what i wish like uh goodreads did i wish with goodreads i could just check that i read another chapter or whatever mm. um instead of having to like input specific page numbers and stuff or yeah. like percentage of it's it's a mess. So I don't use Goodreads, but I do use Annelist because I'm just like watch another episode, read another chapter. Um, it's especially helpful with manga because it can help me keep track if stuff gets messed up and I don't remember what chapter I was on. Um. Anyway, 
uh, go listen to my other podcasts. Uh, Ghost Divers. We're currently doing Psychopaths. Um, yeah. I I am currently so last night I watched uh a like nine ten eleven I think. I don't, know, nine, me. I don't know what those are, unfortunately. Um, just being vague, uh, hunter guy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. With the dogs. Um. Anyway, uh, that's been fun. Um, hopefully all of our episodes won't be four hours, but our first discussion episode was. It was good. Uh, this is the first season I'm like list- actively listening along as they come out. So. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, also good. listen to Pondering Putan. Um, my weird Pondering Putan vexes me. <laughs> What's vexing you now? I listen to it every week and I go, surely this week I will not be uh, hoisted by <laughs> the tides of podcasting. And every week, somehow, I'm hoisted by the tides of podcasting. I mean, I recorded this one and then immediately sent a message in the group. I know. Apologizing. I was like, I was like, well, here's the thing is, I don't know what you're apologizing for. I genuinely still don't know. I have no idea. Uh, It's the amount to which I summarized solo. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's it's the part where I can never tell how much of Putin's a bit or not. I, I. Part of me is like, I don't understand the question because it's like all of it, but also there's stuff where we are just reading the, the chapter. I, yeah, I just don't, I just don't know. I feel like, I feel like you feel slightly more centered if you read along with it, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I also, I also don't know. Like, I can't ask you because I don't believe you wouldn't make explaining what's a bit or not a bit to me for your own amusement. But only about yep. Putin. I think normally you're like a pretty straight shooter about stuff. But I think you would fuck with me on this one thing for laughs. You can ask me off mic, but if you ask me on mic, <laughs> if something is a bit or not, I just feel like I can't answer that. I'll have to be like, no comment. I think he would fuck with me in private. Also, it's fine. I don't. I'm not. I'm not mad about it. There's nothing you can say that will like prove otherwise to me. I just don't. I, I fun. <laughs> Pondering Putin is a podcast of distrust, and I mean the distrust between me and listening to Pondering Putin. <laughs> I think there's a lot of trust within the orbit of Putin, of you and Connor doing this thing for 30 minutes. I think there's yeah. a lot of trust, but I have no trust. <laughs> I mean, other other listeners have said, like, I don't trust the promo tweet or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it's yeah. a duplicitous podcast, but for no discernible reason other than it's an object of chaos. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's straightforward to me. I'm a brat. Like, <laughs> I don't I think that's podcast. I don't think that's enough to explain the particular energies of uh, pondering Putin. But the only way to find out is to listen to it and decide for yourself yeah. whether I'm just like reading. Wait, if I galaxy brain my way into my read of pondering Putin, probably a little bit, but maybe not. Yeah. Um, I will say for your benefit, I'm truly and well done with uh, seeing if anyone will figure out what song we were thinking. Oh, thank of. Christ. I don't believe you, but thank Christ. All of the evidence is there. <laughs> okay. Uh, extensively there. I still don't know if you are doing a bit that there is a real song or not. I think you're fucking. I don't think there was ever a song. We can talk after we stop recording. <laughs> I won't believe you. <laughs> The the fact that 
I couldn't remember Audrey Hepburn's last name is a clue. <laughs> anyway. I, don't that, I don't know what that means. I feel like we have to end this podcast. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, class dismissed. No, Nanahachi's real. Nanahachi's real. Till 
Hit. Remember, we're in the non-homophobia zone. I know you record so. your podcast backwards. I know. <laughs> I hate it. Realize I should open that can. I should have got a drink. It's too late now. I'm not getting up. Um. 
Well, I don't know what you've been up to. I I was on vacation, so I um have been doing podcast homework almost exclusively. Yeah, you seem a bit miserable about it. It's it's just um I'm just a, sometimes you get through these these phases where you're like I've just been busy all week on the the homework I have to do to hit a deadline, and I would really like to have the free time to be bored and like graze and I can't graze. I have to be very focused, which is fine. But yeah. Um, Man, I don't know if I've had the free time to like truly be bored in a long time. Yeah. I mean, look, it doesn't take much for me. If I had one, if I had like one free weekend, right? Nothing going on. I would get to that point because it doesn't happen ever. I like once or twice a year. We like make the time for it. Um, yeah. I'm just feeling the need for one. Um, part of just having a toddler is like my, I have like limited free time, but I roughly know when it's going to happen. This is going to be after toddler bedtime. So I like have in my head, this is the thing I want to do like days in ahead, ahead. Sometimes I have stuff planned out. Yeah. I do that just with my entire evening. Yeah. Um, Tonight, I remember just being bored before i had a kid and being like oh let me just like poke around and see what games i have what do i want to play i'm gonna be honest with you i have not been like that in years (laughs) i didn't need a kid i just needed to be me yeah i mean all the podcasts that i do uh certainly are not helping yeah i think there's a disposition that lends itself to being like this um and i'll just fill the time uh when I have a day off, I'm still busy. I'm just like busy on things that like I don't count them as work. But if I tell someone else what I do on like a day where I don't have anything going on, I'm like Jesus Christ, you're supposed to be relaxing. I'm like I am relaxing. <laughs> I only spent like a little bit of time cleaning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, tonight I doubled up and I watched a movie that we're not going to talk about here because it's from my other podcast, Blockbusters. Check that out. Uh, I guess it's already out by the time you're listening to this. No matter which time yeah. this episode comes up, which feed it's in, Blockbuster will be out because Blockbuster's out on Monday. Um, but and this uh, is we're recording this, but it's going to be like over a week until it comes out. Yeah, exactly. Um, Blockbuster's already be out, even in the Patreon feed. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I watched Quiz Show, and then I put together. I got a new bed platform for. I got a new mattress recently, and I need a new bed platform. So I was putting that together while I was watching Quiz Show, which is a perfect pairing, honestly, because Quiz Show is like a very chill dad movie that I could just have on while I was like screwing things together and still enjoy the film. Um, yeah. So that's what I did with my evening. And then basically I finished about 45 minutes ago and I was like, well, I'm just going to watch some YouTube until you are ready. Yeah, that's been it. That's my, been my night. I cooked. I did that. And now I'm here. Um. I feel like the biggest like hack that I've stumbled into is just that my my kid is really into video games, especially. Uh-huh. Um, and so I'm just able to in a way that uh, I did not expect, like when I set the the new year resolution of like find a way to game a little bit more again, because mm-hmm. I just don't any, you know, um, now it's just like, you know, I got home, I picked up my my toddler and got home and like was making dinner and my kid was like. Uh, after dinner, can we play Zelda? And I was like, sure. So we like did a half hour of Zelda. Um, we got all the memories. We know about what happened. 
I think you like watched all the cutscenes. So is this Breath of Wild or Tears of the Kingdom? Tears of the Kingdom. I've I've seen the ending of Tears of the Kingdom and paid no attention otherwise because I just wasn't very interested. Okay, so so do you or do you not know the the fate of Princess Zelda? I, I know she's the dragon. Yeah, and I I I have a mutual who is like incensed that no one talks about the fact that one of the ways the game rewards you with rare crafting materials you go and you beat the shit out of Zelda as a dragon. Yeah, which I mean, you do to like all the I know dragons, but yeah, <laughs> but especially in a world where there's been a lot of discourse in the lead up to this game about like, oh, are they gonna finally like do a playable Zelda? Will Will the Legend of Zelda stop being weird about women? And the answer is no. Obviously, it's Nintendo. Yeah. Nintendo's always a bit weird about women, but making Zelda a fucking treasure goblin that you hit with your sword to get you the rare crafting materials is tr- truly just on one. You don't, you don't just hit with the sword because that's for like the horns or the scales. Uh-huh. Uh If you want the fangs or the talons, you have to like jump off and do the the like bullet time aiming, and then either shoot the mouth or the hand. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I really liked Breath of the Wild, but um, I played Sable and I realized it did everything I wanted a Breath of the Wild sequel to do, which was not what Tears of the Kingdom was focusing on. I wanted more like quiet exploration with no combat and no puzzles, just kind of like vibes. Um, I yeah. didn't want to build a thing every 30 steps, uh, which seems like Tears of the Kingdom seems fine. If, if you like the part where Zelda's like a game about puzzle solving and always running around doing something. Um, I just kind of yeah. liked when I got on my horse and I rode around and the music was like briefly kicked up. You get the overall theme only when you're on your horse and it's sick. Um, and then you find a thing off the distance. You see what's there. Um, and uh, I just and also like Nintendo in general, I feel like has lost a lot of its luster for me as someone who used to really love Nintendo games. Um, yeah, I say that as if when Super Mario Wonder comes out, I'm not immediately going to buy it and be like, this is the only game I'm playing for three days and then 100 percent. it, And then I'll come on Twitter and be like, it was too easy because they don't make Mario games for me. They make Mario games for normal people. <laughs> yeah, um, I've been enjoying Tears of the Kingdom, but it definitely it, a, a thing that I enjoy with video games being just like wandering it. I love Chrono Cross because you just fucking wander a, a pretty map mm-hmm. and sometimes feel lost and i just i never feel lost in tears of the kingdom um because it's so easy to get up high because you just like travel to a a sky view tower and it launches you high up in the air yeah um or you like have found some shrine up in the sky place so you just go there and then you dive uh and so like i have horses like i got princess zelda's horse that ran away uh and i just never use horses because it's like pointless to you Mm-hmm. Like you'll take so long trying to go somewhere on horse versus just getting up high and just like soaring over there, especially because one of the, the powers that you get from uh, the, the temples is like a gust that will like push you further as you're flying. Um, so, yeah, it's just like it's pointless to like wander around, really. Mm. Um, you'll occasionally find an area and then you'll get the little like shrine alert. And then you're like wandering around because it's not like obviously above, you know, it's like in a cave or something. Yeah. That's like the most you just like wandering around being like, what, where the fuck is it? <laughs> yeah. But, um, I don't do a lot of the building stuff though. Um, I, there's like ones that you do for puzzles, but I feel like they're pretty straightforward. It's not like too hard to figure out for like a temple or whatever, if you have to build something or like mm-hmm. a shrine. Um, and then, uh, 
TikTok just started serving me lots of Tears of the Kingdom like videos. Um and so I learned from that this one that people call the uh it's like the speeder bike or the air bike or something. Oh yes, um, I've seen this. Yeah, but it's basically just it's like the control stick thing with two fans. Yes. Um and so I just like built that and then you, it's very easy to just like auto build one. So whenever I just need to, like if I see a dragon and I want to get there, I'll sometimes look being like, oh, is there a place I can teleport up to just like soar down? Otherwise I just build it and I just like write it up there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but that's like the, the main thing that I used to build regularly. Um, but yeah, we've also been, cause we're trying to prepare for like the final fight right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've been doing the great fairy stuff and trying to like upgrade armor is one of the things. So I was like, we should probably do this because we haven't done any of this. And we did like one fight that was really hard. Um, and in order to, there's like a, the, the like base armor, the like champion's tunic or whatever from Breath of the, uh, Breath of the Wild, mm. you can like get as armor in Tears of the Kingdom. Um, and it's this thing of like Zelda ordered it for you and it has it like hidden in Hyrule Castle and then you like go and find it. Um, and in order to upgrade that, you need the light dragon stuff. So in order to upgrade the armor that she got for you, you have to go like hit her and get material from her <laughs> farmer for material. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, but thankfully the, there's still an item duplication glitch. It's like kind of slow and tedious now and you can't do a ton like you used to be able to. Uh, but it's still enough to like, oh, wait, I got like the one thing from the light dragon. I'll just duplicate it a few times so I can do the armor and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, that's basically what I've been at. <laughs> uh, I started um, Caligula Effect 2 uh, and I was thinking I might play it some of my trip, but I ended up being very busy on my, my vacation, um, mostly because I was essentially catering for my family. So did a lot of cooking oh yeah fair enough um and then i would sometimes read but like usually my downtime was like in the evening i would just build a fire which i told this to my therapist and they were like i thought you said to relax (laughs) i was like yeah it was just fun and relaxing to like build a fire and tend to it um and then sometimes people would like come and sit and we'd talk but um and a lot of my family did that but a few people did so, yeah, that's basically where I'm at. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, it sounds uh, busy. I feel like your therapist is right in that that doesn't sound super relaxing, but I also know sometimes it's the best you can get. Uh, it's also a thing of just like, I, I know how to build a fire. Um, that's not the point. <laughs> obviously, you just, you get some newspaper. It's not the point. You get some like very thin, so the like is not burn the point. easily. You know this is not the point. Sticks, and you sort You're of persist anyway. You you sort of create like a little stand out of like. I'm not maybe Connor. I'm not going to let you get away with like steamrolling the bit. <laughs> and then you like have the bigger logs stacked on there, so that when you light the the point is the, sometimes being in charge of something small <laughs> is a way to bring order to the universe, and I get it because I do this all the fucking time. So you burn the, but it's not the newspaper. I mean, it feels like a relief because you're like, oh, finally, this thing that is mine that I'm in charge of. But that's not the same and then thing. The, 
the 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 sticks will catch quickly and then they'll burn and then it the fire will go up to the you've made like a pyramid out of the like three bigger logs yes. and it'll light those on fire. Yes. It's really not hard. I know. And yet here you are explaining it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> what, what what when you beat Tears of the Kingdom, what are you playing next? With your kid, um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not entirely. Po- I'm at the. I am at this point where I'm like, I want to make sure we're like set up to go fight Ganondorf because yeah. I know there's like a a number of enemies you have to fight first as sure. well. Um, and I, I, I'm at the point where I kind of just want to finish the game. Um, and then, so, uh, their birthday's coming up. And when we were on vacation, they're hanging out a lot with their cousins. Um, and they're like the two closest in age cousins, uh, also had a switch and like, um, their dad brought the switch. So, uh, one of the games that we ended up playing, uh, cause there was one day where my kid was like, I think just overwhelmed by the number of people around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so didn't want to go on like the big, everyone's going to the beach thing. And so we just like, stayed home, read some books, uh, and then like went and played some switch games. Uh, and one of the games was Kirby and the, what, like the forgotten lands or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I ordered that for their birthday. So we might play some of that. I'm assuming it's not going to take nearly as long to beat. Um, but it was also fun because it's one where like, there's a two player mode where the second player, um, it's like not as hard, you know, for the second player. Yes. So we can play it together then. Uh, so that's probably what will happen. But okay, yeah, that's a that's a fun game. Not nearly as long, yeah. also. So yeah, I mean, like Mario Kart and Super Smash Brothers is always there. Uh, yeah, that was that I was just, the like big thing. I just uh, I don't know how much you can just like put any game in front of your child. And they'll take to it yet, or have they developed their own tastes firmly on this? I think right now they kind of just enjoy doing games, but uh, I mean they they do like they prefer Zelda right now. That's mm-hmm. what they want to play. Okay. So, um, yeah, there is still like a certain amount there, but uh, it's it's also a thing of like. Like, they're watching me play Chrono Cross as well, so it could also totally be a thing of, I, I just pick, like, another old game, and we play that. Hell yeah. That I have, so. Because um, I, I think that they're also not at that level yet, where they're, like, really aware of, like, oh, this is from a different generation and, like, looks different. So I think this is the time to, like, teach them that old games can also look good and be fun. Yeah. You know? Before they get too old and are just like, oh, that doesn't look like the Switch games that I play or whatever. I'm like, you should play Moon with them, but I think it might be a little too slow, probably. Yeah, it, it depends. Um, oh, we have played a little bit of Later Alligator, which is kind of slow, but oh, okay. it does just have a lot of, like, a big part of playing games with my kid. This has been true with Zelda as well as, like... Uh, you basically have to be the narrator. Like you have to read everything because yeah. they can't read the screen. Well, I'm just saying, if, um, if they took the Chrono Cross, Moon is not like, yeah. you know, Moon is is slow in the way Chrono Cross can be slow. And I really like that game. I would just like you to yeah. play Moon because Moon's really good and it's on the Switch. 
which, uh, you know, limited amount of games intersect on a Switch and I care about and are appropriate to play with your kid. I'd love to be played uh, House of Freedom Morgana. You should not play that with your child. <laughs> yeah. Um, Live Alive is also one that I want to play. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's the, I think when stuff is slow, if it's slow, but it's because it's like there's dialogue, mm-hmm. then it's fine because I'm like reading to them and yeah. then that's still entertaining them. Mm-hmm. But if it's slow, like... I've been trying to do some stuff when they're not watching that I know is going to be more boring for, for Zelda. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a part where we saw the, the light dragon and then my kid wanted to go up there. Uh, Cause I had said like, Oh yeah, there's some stuff we can get. And I hadn't gotten everything already. Yeah. Uh, so tonight we were doing that and I was like, okay, now in order to like get the next thing that we want, we just have to wait on the dragon for 10 minutes for it to like recharge so that we can get the next thing. <laughs> and my kid was like, this is so boring. <laughs> I agree. This is so boring. Nintendo, yeah. why are you doing this? It really was. I mean, I think the intention is they want you to like go up there, get a thing and then leave. Yes. Uh, but it's still, you wait on there and it will recharge. Mm-hmm. And so you just, Wait ten minutes. <laughs> um, or we ended up because the the two things that I hadn't gotten before were the the talons, like the claws, um, and the fangs. Um, and both of those, when you do it, they like fall down to the ground. So we had to like go pick them up and then like get back to the dragon to wait for the other one. But mm-hmm. it was still there was still like seven minutes of waiting after all that. So. It's a lot if you're a toddler. It was a lot for me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's too much for me. You're fucking kidding me? Not worth it. Yeah. But now we've got everything, so I'd never have to do that again. Um, I'll just duplicate enough that I don't need it to do it again. Um, yeah, that's basically what I've been at. Mm-hmm. Um, I did read some comics on my, my, va- my vacation. Are you but, robbing uh, from the other comic book podcast you were on? I mean, I already talked about it, so okay. I was just going to, I'm assuming like at some point in the actual main episode, I'm going to talk about people should go listen to that episode when it comes out. Okay. Um, because the, so we did, um, I think it's Hayashi Seiichi. Um, he did uh, art direction for um, Throw Away Your Books. Okay. And he's like. He's sort of in the ATG circles, although he's obviously more comic, like, Garo stuff, but, um, yeah. That's all I've got, though. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I finished the game I was playing last night that I've been chipping at for months, so I'm, like, antsy to start something new. Yeah, Love Love Alternative, right? Yes, which, uh, I'm gonna record an episode with Olivia on that for abnormal mapping in about three weeks i think um i gotta get done with the 16 episode with austin and then we're recording the week after that and then it'll be out the week after that <laughs> so um fun never stops uh yeah but i've been i've been yeah i got into Move love earlier this year and played the first game first two games are bundled together but the first two games and then i played the, fir- the third game um and i've been taking breaks it's really it's not really long it's like 20 hours long but it felt very long because a lot of it was the thing that visual novels love to do where it's like, here's a map of the battlefield. We're going to talk about the fronts. The UN front's going to take this side and the uh, Japan self-defense force going to take this side. And we're all going to 
you know, assemble on point B and then we're going to take the aliens by uh, bombing them from the air and then the Mexican go in. I hate, I hate when media, I don't care if it's a book, I don't care if it's a comic, I don't care if it's a movie. I hate when media does this. <laughs> I don't care about a fucking map. I don't care about your military tactics. Tune it all out. Yeah. Just noise to me. Um, so it's ta- it's been, uh, that part has been difficult. When it's like, Emotion, it's like emotional melodrama and like romance and the, the high stakes and that stuff. I time loops and alternate universes that's the shit that I'm interested in. But the minute you break out a graph, I'm bouncing, yeah, <laughs> which makes Fair. visual novels maybe the wrong media for me. But I'm finding my way. I was very like anti visual novels for a little while and I kind of got over myself and I'm having good fun. Um, but because of that, I the thing I kind of chip away when I have free time before bed and I'm like, well. Uh, I should just work on this uh, that I've been doing for months is now gone and I need a new thing because it'll make me antsy otherwise. I want to do it with myself. Yeah. So when I'm done with this tonight, I will probably start Octopath Traveler 2. I think that's probably most likely stop. I guess you could do that. People really like that game. I need a good RPG I... to wash the taste of Final 16 out of my mouth. I, I guess I haven't heard as much about two. I started uh, Octopath Traveler. Yes, literally everyone said, that, hey, they, they fixed yeah. everything obviously wrong with Octopath Traveler, which was your okay. party never fucking talked to each other and none of that mattered. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> okay, maybe it is good. Yeah, people seem um, to really like it. And I, I already bought it. You know, I want, I'm curious to check it out. Yeah. I will not be playing Octopath Traveler 1. I'm just going to play the good games and skip the bad games. Yeah. Um, I think I'd also had just written off too because one was fine, but I was just like, uh, there's just like other old, you know, RPGs I could play. Mm-hmm. Um, while you were talking, I muted my mic because my toddler came in here. Because mm-hmm. uh, Emily is currently at a class. Mm-hmm. Um, and now Lem is in the bedroom and is probably going to be annoying during the podcast. But that's fine. How is it different? Than I guess I could week? try and get lem out but i mean usually i have like the because i'm in my bedroom closet Uh uh-huh and then i have the bedroom door closed so that lem can't paw at the bedroom closet door Mm. (coughs) but then there'll always be a point at which uh emily's like getting ready for bed or something um or asked to come in here and then lem will intrude yeah so I tend to like to maximize the amount of time before Lem becomes a nuisance, but <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. I don't know if you have anything else. We can probably get to the Yeah, we can get to the we can get to the real podcast. I might get up and go get a drink. I'll be back in like a second if you're fine with that. Yeah, sure. I All mean right. I'm editing this. Great.
Hello, I'm back. Are you back? Are you back? I am. I'm indeed. Okay. I use that moment to uh, get the cat, catch Lem, and yeah. then also get Ollie out too. Okay. So. Um. Shall we get into it? Yeah. All right. I'm gonna make a mark. 